this series, one of the things um, one of the things that I wanted to do was to have what if moments. And, uh, and so I asked Brian Miller to come up. Brian runs uh, CrossFit Superfly, CrossFit, right? Um, over here on the campus. And I wanted to uh, just talk to him. And, and let me give you a little background. I've known Brian since 1991 or two, right? The, every time I see Jeff, the image that I have in my head is he grew a goatee at the time, and he was my youth pastor, and he came out as a Backstreet Boy. To, oh, yeah, uh, I remember that. To, yeah, says, yeah. The, I actually did it here a couple uh, years ago, yeah. Now my hips are a little sore, so I can't do the moves and stuff like that. But, you, know, you were good then, though. Uh, well, you know, you know I, I can still do it. It just hurts a little. Um, <laughs> but I asked Brian to come up and do this, uh, this what-if moment, because um, we obviously known him for many years. He's part of our uh, business tree campus. Um, he's impacting so many lives right now. And as we show people around, many times he's in there uh, running, you know, one of the one of the times in the gym and everything um, at CrossFit. And he gives his testimony. And I thought, man, there's there's so much richness there that I'd like to share with the congregation about what God is doing within within the body of Christ within this campus. And so tell us, give us a little bit of background, okay, and then kind of tell us about your what-if moment. Okay, so I, I started CrossFit back in 2011. I had just moved back home from Indianapolis, and I'd always been working out. I'd done, you know, the typical back, by chest, tries, yeah, me too. leg day. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and that's what I knew of working out. That's what it consisted of. Maybe then I'd go run on the treadmill for a mile, and I thought I was in shape. So then I walk into this CrossFit gym, um, in Westchester, and it's a 10-minute workout, and they say, okay, you're going to do push-ups, squats, and pull-ups for 10 minutes as fast as you can. So I was like, oh, that's easy. These are all body weight movements. I can do this. So I did it, and then I ended up lying on the floor just hugging this bench, like figuring out like what just happened to me, right? It was a weird experience. And um, then I just got hooked on it, and so I'd been doing CrossFit for, for quite a while, and one day I was like, Something just kind of came in me like, you should get certified and be a trainer. Hmm. And at the time, I was working a couple of different jobs, and I didn't know if I'd be a trainer or could be a trainer or would be a trainer or whatever. I just felt like I should go get my certification. Hmm. So I went up there, and I asked one of the guys, and I said, hey, how do you become a good trainer? And he looks at me, and he's like, well, that's easy. Just start training somebody. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that does not help at all. <laughs> and... <laughs> And so literally the next weekend, one of my pastors came to me and said, you know, I'm 60 pounds overweight. I really feel horrible about myself, but I don't know what to do because I don't, I've never really worked out before. So then I heard the guy in my head say, start training somebody. So I said, okay, well, why don't we meet two days at the track and we'll start training. The first workout he did was, well, the first thing he did was a four minute warm up, and he thought we were finished after that. <laughs> And uh, he was literally laying on the floor saying, okay, okay. Like, that was pretty good. I was like, well, we still have to work out. <laughs> so <laughs> That was me. I'm just kidding. No, that wasn't, wasn't me. <laughs> so, so then we, we actually get to the workout. And, um, again, he dies. He starts to vomit and, and things. But you don't all that's, – that's a misrepresentation. You don't have to push yourself like that. Um, Anyway, so then he starts bringing another girl to the track, and then she starts bringing other people to the track. 
And then we get to a point where it starts to get cold outside, and we need a place to work out inside. So my buddy Joel says, hey, moving it into our garage. So we move it into his garage, and we had a tree stump, um, a couple yoga mats, and um, some dumbbells. And then um, people started paying me to train them in the garage, and I was like, whoa. So I'm training mm-hmm. people. This is kind of cool. Yeah. So I'd get up in the morning, train people at 6 a.m., go to a few different jobs during the day, and then come home at night and train people in the evening. And that went on probably for about seven, eight months until it got to a point where it was too cold to work out. So we started knocking on churches. I probably knocked on every single church and every single school that's in this area and asked if we could come just work out there. I mean, all we had was a tree stump and a couple yoga mats, so we wouldn't take up much space. And they all said no. And then uh, I'd knock on Grace Chapel's door. And they're like, oh, yeah, you guys can come use our youth room or whatever. And, and they're like, but let us tell you about SSE, self-sustaining enterprises. And I was like, okay, well, what's that? And it's, then they started to go into detail about how you know, they support uh, business trees and business tree meaning that you know, they help get you up and started. And then in return, they're not really asking for any of the profits. All they're asking you to do is give back to a local ministry. So it's basically teaching me how to fish versus, you know, Mm -hmm. giving me a fish for a day Mm -hmm. and then going out and showing somebody else how to fish. And then they can show somebody else how to fish. And out of that, what's come is from a two car, from a soccer field to a two car garage to being back behind the railroad tracks where most of you probably didn't know we existed to now being in the old thrift store. Mm -hmm. So we have grown and tripled in size and quadrupled in size and, um, Lori, who I can see right there, and then, then Dan Watts has been with me ever since the garage. He's sitting over there. By the way, Lori diffs, deadlifts almost 350 pounds. So um, don't if you guys ever would have – yeah, don't, don't let her bear hug you. <laughs> um, and, and Dan's been with me um, since he couldn't even jump on a box when he first came in. And now he's doing kipping pull-ups and cleaning jerking and all sorts of things that he wouldn't have thought he would have been able to do. But anyway, so we're, now we've quadrupled in size. We're over here at the new thrift store, and we have a lot of different dreams and a lot of different things that we plan on doing. Uh, one is going to Monterey, Mexico and working with the HOPE program and helping one of the kids who graduate from the HOPE program to help them get started and, and build their own CrossFit gym down yeah. there. And, and one of the cool things about that is, is not just the fact that uh, we're going to help a kid start his own business down there because Jeff had a dream, which then – was able to give life to my dream, and then hopefully I'll be able to give life to somebody else's dream down there in Monterey. Yep. But all those kids who are sitting there in the orphanage who might have lost their mom and dad and actually see somebody who graduates from the HOPE program, who came from their bed, who came from their orphanage, they're going to be able to look at what that guy did and be like, well, if he can do it, why can't I do something right. like that? Right. And this is where this all whole thing starts. You know, It's, it's just having that dream, and, and I didn't even know. I just knew I wanted to get my L1. I didn't know that I'd have a gym of 65, 70 members two, three years down the road, yep. and we're still growing. We're going to be at 100 members, I believe, by December, yep. and that's our goal, uh, and, and at the time when I had moved back from Cincinnati, didn't know anything about CrossFit, I was down on my luck, you know, like I had lost my car, I had lost my girlfriend, I had lost my job, I had lost my apartment, I lost everything. And so I was sitting in my parents' basement for five minutes before or five months before I found CrossFit, just feeling sorry for myself, down, depressed. And then when I started doing CrossFit, it changed my mindset because I realized it didn't matter how fast I finished a workout or how fast I went or if I came in first or last or whatever, it was that I kept moving and that 
if I put one foot in front of the other, I could at least say I finished the workout. Mm. I didn't didn't have to be first. I didn't have to be on top of the leaderboard, as they call it. But you have to keep moving, yep. you know, and and I believe that's what people who come into my gym realize is that it doesn't matter that you're at the top of the leaderboard. But if you can put one foot in front of the in front of the other and if you keep moving, whether it be at your job or be wherever you are at in your life right now, just keep moving and then something's going to happen. Amen. Amen. That's good, brother. I appreciate it. Yep. Anything else you want to share? Oh, and we have an open house next weekend. Yeah, uh, next weekend? Next week, next Sunday. Okay. okay. Um, and you guys are all invited to come. Bring your workout clothes if you want to. I promise there will be a little bit of pain involved. Um, <laughs> no throwing a, up, though. No throwing up. There, don't vomit. Okay. <laughs> but there will be pain involved. But like I said earlier, all you got to do is push yourself how you need to push yourself. If you can keep moving forward, you don't have to go really quickly, and you don't have to get to a point where you're ex- exhausted. You know, to that point. But just keep moving throughout the workout if you decide to. And then come check out the gym. Come check out what we've built. Come check out the things that are happening on this campus because I think you guys will be surprised. And there are a lot of things that we're going to do beyond just helping that, that uh, person yeah. in, the, in the HOPE program right, too. Yeah. So come check us out. Yeah. I love it. I love the fact that, it, yeah, you can clap again if you'd like. I, um, I really love the fact that. You know, they use that pay it forward kind of thing. But like Ryan's saying, you have a dream and then, you know, someone else, you know, has an opportunity because of that dream and then someone else. And he's right. I mean, that's one kid that we're going to be building into who comes out of the whole program that his life may be changed. But, you know, what I found in Monterey and everywhere around the world in the beginning, when they see the Americans come over, it's all about the Americans. After a while, when the when the students are raised up and they get their education and they're out becoming, you know, you know, lawyers, Indian chiefs and everything else you can possibly imagine. Um, the students start to look at them and say, I want to be like them. I mean, they still love us, but they want to be like the people who have graduated. And they, and they cause he said, like, they slept in that bed. He slept in my bed. Now he's doing this. That's what we're talking about when it comes to dreaming. And, and the foundation of the, of, the, uh, of the series that we're in right now, What If, is Ephesians chapter, chapter 5. Um, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. I'm going, to, I'm going to read verse 20 again to you. It says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I love that passage. Last week I said, I said you know, it's, it's not, the question is not, can we dream? The question really is, do we have the courage to act upon those dreams? Like Ryan said, do we have the courage to move forward? Can we keep moving forward? Anybody can dream. We can all dream. But do we have the courage to act upon those dreams? Here's the thing. If your dreams don't stretch you, if they don't stretch you, if your dreams don't scare you, spiritually stretch you and scare you, they're probably not from God. A what if dream should make you uncomfortable. Honestly, it should make you uncomfortable. It should give you reason to step back and pause and say, wow, this is, this is more than I can handle. And the answer is absolutely it's more than you can handle. If it's a God-sized dream, we have a big God, and if it's a God-sized dream, it's going to be more than you can handle. So what you need to do is take a pause, step back, pray over that, make sure it's, what's God call, it's, God, it's what God is calling you to do, and then you need to move forward in His strength and in His power. So the question is, how do we fulfill 
a what if dream. How do we fulfill the what if dream that God has placed on our hearts? Brian came up and he shared his what if dream. You know, what if I could start? What if I could be a trainer? What if, what if? And now he, he followed that dream and he knocked on. What did he say? He knocked at every door, all the schools, all the churches. But he knocked on another door. He knocked on our door. And now he's in a place. You should see that you should go down there and just see that. The new Orca Center where the thrift store used to be, he's back there. It is an incredible gym. It's awesome because he kept moving forward because he didn't give up because he believed this was what God was calling him to do. And he kept walking step by step into God's plan. So how do we fulfill? How do you fulfill the what if dream that God has placed on your heart? I got two quick. I got two points for you. Number one. First, we need to realize that our dreams are usually a process. Our dreams, our vision, what God gives us is usually a process. You have to go through a process. You don't just wake up one morning and dream something and then that night it happens. The next day it just comes to fruition. It doesn't happen that way. It's usually a process that God puts us through. God gave the children of Israel, right? A dream to go into the promised land, to enter the promised land. But in order to get from Egypt to Canaan, which is the promised land, in order to get from Egypt where they were in slavery to the promised land, they had to go through the wilderness. They had to go through the wilderness. There was a process. There was a period of time for them to go through the wilderness, to go from where they wanted, where they were not wanting to be there to where they wanted to be, which is the promised land. They had to go through the wilderness. Dreams, my friends, are built on the foundation of God's promises. A Christian, when a Christian dreams, when God gives you a dream or a vision, that dream or that vision is built on the foundation of God's promises. And as we trust those promises, as we truly trust in God's promises, we see his faithfulness in the process. As you're going through this process of here I am, here I'm here right now, but I want to be there. I want to fulfill this dream in my life. You have a process you go through. And as you go through that process and you trust in God, you see his faithfulness as he answers those promises, as he helps you get through that. And that gives you the strength to keep on going. You can look back and say, even if it's, you're during that time of the wilderness and you're saying, God, I'm not sure I can get through this. You look back and say, All the times, all those things, all those obstacles, all those challenges that God was faithful to lead me through. I can get through the next challenge. I can overcome the next hurdle because you trusted in God's faithfulness. You trusted in God's promises. Each small step that you take along the path to reaching your destiny. Each small step you take is is surrounded by God. Each step you take should be led by the Spirit. Each step you take should be through a time of prayer. But every time you take a small step, it leads you closer to your goal. Let me explain something to you, because this is something I've learned along the way. You don't always sit under the tree of the seed that you planted. Let me explain what that means. Many times God gives you a dream or a vision. And if it's a God-sized dream, you usually do not sit under the tree of the seeds you planted. You can, you, can, you can see some of what God is doing through that vision. You may experience some of the exciting things that, that are happening in that vision. But ultimately, if it's a God-sized vision, it'll probably outlive you. 
But even if it doesn't outlive you, there are times where God gives you a dream or God gives you a vision. And he says, you know what? I want you to be the one who starts this. I want you to be the one who begins. But there's a time where you hand off that baton to someone else and they take it the next step. And I know in my own life, God has said to me many different times, you are not going to sit under the tree of the seed that you planted. And so, again, you'll see some of what you've dreamed about come to fruition, but you may not see it all. God may do it through someone else. God may do it through someone else's life, but that's okay. That's where as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to understand that. We need to come to grips with that. You and I need to be comfortable. We need to be content, listen, playing our role, playing our role, regardless of how big or small that role may be. When God gives you a vision, when God gives you a dream and he calls you to do it, all I'm saying is you have to be humble, okay? And you have to, you have to live your life with open hands because God may use your gifts to begin something, but use someone else's gifts. You know, some of you are visionaries and some of you are implementers and some of you are maintainers all along the way. And many times he takes the visionary to get something started and maybe you're an implementer as well. So you implement that vision, but then your gifts start to wane, And God says, we need to bring other people around you. You may stick with it, but we need to bring other people around you to make sure this vision moves forward. That's okay. You've got to put your pride aside. If you're going to, if you're going to follow a God-sized dream, you need to put that pride aside. Because God loves, God loves humble beginnings. God loves to see you get started. And God loves it when it's going down the road and there's other small steps that need to be taken to keep it going, to keep it going. In Zechariah chapter chapter uh, 4 and verse 10, it says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. He rejoices in that. Whatever part you play, he rejoices in that. He loves it when someone starts something. He loves something when someone takes something that someone thought up and implements it. Then he loves those people who are able to maintain that ministry or maintain that business or maintain that organization. He loves all of it. He loves every part of it. And we need to be okay with the part that we play within that process. process. So don't despise the process. Do not despise the process. Because listen... That's where we, where we learn to trust God the most. There's so many amazing things that go on in the process. When I was younger, I wanted to go from God give me this vision and I wanted to see it done. All that stuff in the middle was a waste of time. And I thought people who did human resource and structural things and all that, you know, all the administrative side of things, I thought they existed just to bother me. I really did. I thought they I said, Lord, why did you even create these people? All they do is get in my way. They're constantly saying, well, you need this, you need that, you need insurance. You know, I'm like, no, we do it and we build it and we're good. You know what I mean? Don't worry about it. As I've gotten older, my favorite people, my favorite people are those people who understand all the details, all the nuances and all the structure, everything that needs to go in place. Why? Because that creates longevity within a ministry. That creates longevity within a business. That creates longevity within anything you're doing. So we need each other when we can't despise the process. That's part of our problem as a culture. We end up despising the process because it takes too long. But but it's in the process that God often shines the brightest and we learn the most. We, we learn the most. It's in the process that you and I become a teacher. We become teachers. Hear, hear me out on this. It's so important. Dreams are not just given to one person. Okay, they're not for one person. They may be given to you. 
but they're not just for you. Like everything else that God does, they are designed to impact people's lives. So God may give you a vision, but that vision is not just for you. Usually it gives people, multiple people, the same vision. They they find themselves and they come together. You've had that experience before. But even if you have a vision that God gives just to you and he puts it in your mind and you implement it, it isn't just for you. It's for other people. That vision is going to impact the lives. Brian had a vision to start CrossFit Superfly, right? But look how that vision is impacting the lives of orphans now in Monterey, Mexico, and probably around the world. As we set up one model, we can set up a different model, another model, another model. Look how one, one vision can impact so many people's lives. Like I said, God uses the process of achieving our dreams to teach us to teach others, to use our experiences. When we started self-sustaining enterprise, we started doing business tree on this campus. We started doing marketplace ministry. I can tell you now, I made so many mistakes. It's mind boggling. It's unbelievable. And I thought to myself, at first I felt bad about it because, you know, you're trying something new and it's not working. You're trying something and this fails or this isn't going well. You made this mistake or you shouldn't have signed that or you shouldn't have done that or you shouldn't have started that. And I felt bad about it. But then I realized, wait, God is doing something here that's really profound. Because as people walk this campus by the hundreds each year to talk about some of the things that we're doing, it is such a blessing. Hear me out. It's such a blessing not just to say, here's how to do it. But you know what's more important to tell people? Here's how not to do it. Honestly, it is so much more significant. It is so much more helpful to tell people, here's what not to do. We did this. It was a mistake. We tried this. It was a mistake. We shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have started this. We shouldn't have. Those are all good things that help so many people. You learn so much in the process. You become a teacher of others. You help other people along the way through your experiences. That's what we're talking about. What if you, what if this is what happened? Um, you know, this is like a conference. You ever go to conferences and, and the guys get up there, the women get up there and they're talking about, and you're just awed by all the things they're doing. And there you go. Oh, we do this. And this is amazing. I made millions of dollars here. And I did this. I started this organization. Now it's 20,000 people. And they tell all these exciting, dynamic things that are going on in their organization. They're telling the truth, but they're leaving a whole lot out, right? I'm telling you, and some of them are flat out lying, all right, because I know some people real close, and they get up there, and I'm like, wait a second, that's a little exaggeration, but they're not telling you what, how hard it was to get there. So would, how helpful would this be to you? God gave me this grand dynamic vision. I just lay it all out for you, and these people and those people and this, and we built this, and you're like, wow, your eyes are about this big, and, and you say, well, how did you do that? And I said, it just happened. It just, I, I won the lot. I had a vision, and the next day I won the lottery, three hundred million dollars. Boom! I hired a bunch of people. Look at me, and you'd be, and you'd be like, oh, right? Oh, oh, all right. Well, I'm not going to play the. That's not. Anyway, I was luck. You won the lottery, whatever, right? Or if I said, yeah, I had this vision, and then I got on a plane, and I was flying somewhere, and this rich guy was sitting next to me. I don't know how what I was doing in first class. I couldn't afford it, but he moved me up, and I was in first class, and this rich guy was sitting next to me, and he saw what I was doing, and he wrote me a big fat check. And you'd be like, oh, well, I can't, I don't want to, you know, that's not going to happen to me, right? But when I, when I, when you go through the process and you can teach people through the process, then they're listening. They're saying, oh yeah, I can do that. I can do that. 
One of the things I love about Grace Chapel, this campus is not so gigantic and it's not so elaborate and it's not so whatever that people, normal human beings can't come here and go, wait a second, I can do that. I can start a CrossFit. I could start a, a salon. I could start a, you know, a technology business over here. I could do, we could, we have some space. We could maybe do what they're doing. That, I love that, that people can come and learn and grow through that. Here, Joseph had a dream, right? I talked about how dreams are not just for one person. Joseph, you know Joseph, he's a dreamer. He had these dreams. But Joseph's dreams had impact on his family, right? On his nation and on the entire world. God gave Joseph dreams, but Joseph's dreams impacted his family, impacted the people around him, impacted his nation, impacted so many other individuals. Joseph was a dreamer, yes, but God used those dreams to change other people's lives. Now, I know that waiting is sometimes difficult. We're talking about we're in the wilderness, you're waiting and going through a process that's difficult. But here's what you don't want to do. What you don't want to do, you don't want to look back on your life and say, man, I should have... I should have had more faith. I should have. Don't be like the children of Israel who get into the in the desert, in the wilderness. And what do they do? Complain and murmur, right? It says murmuring and complaining all the time. They're constantly complaining. Don't be like the children of Israel when they're in the wilderness, when they're in the process. When you're in the process, see the process for what it is. A time where you can be trained, a time where you can be strengthened, a time that you can use. Write it all down. Write all of your experiences, good, bad, and ugly, all of them down so that you can help other people along the way. I love telling people when they come on this campus, I love telling them, here's where you are. We're 15 years ahead of you. Okay. But here's the thing. I'm going to jump you 15 years ahead. I'm not going to, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to let you go through all the things that we went through. I'll jump you 15 years ahead and put you where we are right now as much knowledge as we have. You're going to, you're going to have to learn some of your own things. You're going to do something different, make your own mistakes, but I want you to avoid the mistakes that we made. That is so encouraging. Churches and businesses are so into competition. We're bigger than you. We're better than you. We're the first to this. We're first to that. We are the kingdom of God. We are, I am building the kingdom of God. I am not building my kingdom or our kingdom. We're building the kingdom of God. If we can let people steal what we've learned and jump past 15 years of really tough stuff, Right. Things that we've learned. That's building the kingdom of God. That's what God wants us to do when it comes to our dreams, when it comes to our visions. So don't get caught up and see that as a negative experience when you're going through the wilderness. It's not all negative. Not any of it's negative. If you take it the right way, if you experience it the right way. And if you find yourself in the middle of the wilderness and you don't know which end is up, you don't know if it's heads or tails. You have no idea which end is up. I want to encourage you that is normal that's normal that's what's going to happen that's okay if you're right now in the wilderness and you have a dream and you have a vision and god wants you to do something understand that's normal it is normal for you to know not know sometimes which end is up wow i don't know if we should go this way or that way it's okay that's just normal seek advice See, the wilderness experience can be difficult and it can be a rough road, but you will never taste of the milk and honey unless you complete the process. You will never taste, you will never fulfill what God has called you to do unless you complete the process. That's number one. Second, 
You need to pursue a dream. See, you need to, you, you, you will never, you will never fulfill what God has called you to do if you don't pursue your dream. It needs to be pursued. Pursuit means to attain. It means to attain. The, the dictionary says trying to get or do something over a period of time. It's to follow after persistent, persistently, right? You may be persistent in this. You want to be constant. You want to, you want to keep driving it forward. So you need to be persistent in all these things. So we need to pursue our dreams consistently, relentlessly pursuing our dreams, regardless of what anyone else tells us. Now, all of us in our lives have people who tell us it can't be done, can't be done, can't be done. I tell you that all the time. All right. This is this is universal. Understand that every single person in the room, if you're old enough, has said someone or some people tell them something can't be done in order to fulfill what God has called you to do in your life. You cannot listen to those people. Now, we have to differentiate between there needs to be a distinction between godly counsel that you should listen to, because sometimes you get something in your head. It's not of God. It's your thought. It's OK, but it's not. God isn't telling you to do that. So how do you know if it's God calling you to do it or if it's not? So you need to differentiate between or dis- make a distinction between godly counsel and what I call peanut gallery chatter. You can't do that. Why? You need this. You need that. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough skill. You don't have whatever. You can't listen to the to the to the peanut gallery chatter. Godly counsel comes from the word of God. It comes from the spirit of God and it comes from people, men and women who have wisdom. OK, who are spiritually mature and who study the word of God and who are whose conscience is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So you want to listen to those people. That's who you go to and you listen to when it comes to godly counsel. The Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 tells us where there is no guidance, people or a nation falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. You talk to godly people, as many people as you can. They're not God, but they will usually give you good direction and good advice. In Proverbs chapter 19, verses 20 and 21, it says this. Listen to the advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, like I just said, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. What is God's purpose for my life? Not what's in my, what comes up in my mind. How do you know that? You speak to godly people. You read the word of God. You listen to the Holy Spirit. You want to do that. That's something we want to do. An example of peanut gallery chatter, though, is the people who talked to Caleb and Joshua when they came back from spying out the promised land. It was those other 10 spies and the people of Israel just yammering away at them what they can't do, what you can't do. It's not going to happen. We're not going to be able to do it. Numbers 13, 28 and 30 says this. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Ooh. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites. didn't say ooh in the Bible. I said that and live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And then it continues in verse 31. It says this. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. You can't do this. You'll never accomplish that. What, what makes you think you're able to? You guys are crazy. That's that's the peanut gallery chatter, right? Caleb's response to that is this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Caleb never stopped pursuing his dream. Forty years later, 
40 years, we're talking about a process here and, and being persistent, right? Pursuing your dream, process, going through a process and pursuing your dream. 40 years later, this is what Caleb says. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go into battle. Don't you want to be like this when you're 85 years old? I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised, right? The Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, right? Who's responsible? God. The Lord helping me. I will drive them out just as he said. Joshua 14, 10 through 12. Caleb fulfilled his dream because he didn't listen to peanut gallery chattering. And he consistently and persistently and relentlessly pursued the dream that God has put on his heart. And we're talking about dreams. Let me just stop for a second. Because I'm not just talking about building a big business or building a big whatever, building something, a thing. You know what dreams, what kind of dreams I'm talking about as well? I'm talking about the dream that you have of building a family that you never had. Oh, see, you came from your background and whatever we went through. You're never going to be able, you won't find the right person, blah, 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 do, 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 right? That, but that's your dream. That's your dream to, to build the family you never had. Your dream is to become a stronger person. Your dream is to overcome the addictions that have plagued you your whole life. Your dream is to overcome the personality flaws that have been caused because of the abuse of your past. And now your brain is kind of rewired and you're saying, I am not functioning properly within culture here or within relationships. I need to strengthen myself and become more like Christ in my relationships. God help me rewire my brain. He'll do that too. He can do that. God, help me rewire my brain so I can be more effective in my relationship. That's a dream of yours. You want to become more like Jesus Christ. God, help me become more like your son, Jesus Christ. That's the kind of dreams that we're talking about. And you can't let anyone stand in your way because those are the most important dreams. And you can't let anyone stand in your way of accomplishing those dreams. But there are so many things in our lives, so many things that will st- try to stop us and steal our dreams, that will try to steal our dreams so many, like, like the, the difficulties and the challenges and the struggles of life will attempt to steal your dream. Because it just becomes over, overwhelming. They wear you down. They wear you down. And then here's the thing. They wear you down and they cause you to settle. Well, I know I'll never probably have the kind of family. Or I'll, never, I'll never overcome the abuse I've been through in the past. Or I'm never going to get over, over, overcome that addiction because you've tried and you failed and you tried and you failed. And so you just say, you know what? I'm not going to overcome the struggles of life hit you. And you fall back into it and you just give and you settle and you settle. God hates settling. You see those new commercials? Son, we're settlers. You know what I mean? The kid wants to, you know, he wants to, you know, do something. We're, we're just settlers. Now go make some butter and, you know, and make your own clothes. You know, and we're just settlers. No, God doesn't want us to be settlers. He does not want us to settle. God wants us to give us the best. He wants to ha- us to have an abundant life. God doesn't like settling at all and neither should we. Fear attempts to steal our dreams. Fear. Example of that. Children of Israel, right? Children of Israel. They are, they are, they're going in there. They're, gonna, they're just milk and honey. It, it, they're, they're bringing back grapes that are like the size of orange. They're kind of, oh, this is great. Honey and milk and all kinds of grapes and fruits. And they get there. And what do they say? What is their focus? There's giants in that land. 
They're so big, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. We can't take on those people. And fear steals their dream. They give up. I think stinking thinking, one of my favorite words I make up, stinking thinking can steal your dreams. Right? Look at the Israelites. They go, they're, going through the, they're going through the wilderness and everything. Every time something happens, what are they doing? They're complaining. Oh, man, whose stupid idea was this anyway? We should choose a leader and go back into slavery in Egypt. Or we get so, they get so frustrated, they say, you know what? I wish I were just dead. We should just die in the desert. Why did you bring us out here just to die in the desert? Oh, we're all going to die in the desert. Stinking thinking. Oh, it's never going to work. It's not going to happen. You hear these voices of your, of your mom, or your dad, or your teacher, or your whoever it was, your friend, or whatever. Someone got you that stinking thinking started in your mind, and that's now dictating your destiny. Some of you have decided to stay where you are. You decided to stay in the wilderness, in the desert, or you're sliding back to your old habits and issues, both of which are unacceptable to God. Stinking thinking will only get you to go backward or stay where you are. And if you stay where you are, ultimately you're going backward. So don't allow stinking thinking to steal your dreams. Losing your focus and, 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 and chasing after the world will definitely steal your dreams. Well, definitely. What happened to the children of Israel? Moses up on the mountain too long. It's taking too long. This process is taking too long and you don't want to pursue it anymore. And so you set up a golden calf because that's easy and you worship that. And you say, well, I don't worship a golden calf, but what do you worship? Other than God, because that thing, if you are if you are not following God, then you're having your dreams stolen. The reason maybe the reason you're not fulfilling everything that God has for you is because you're not in line with God's will. You're not in step with Jesus Christ. And until you get in alignment with Jesus Christ, until you're in line with God's will for your life, you're not going to fulfill all that he has for you. The children of Israel got off track and started worshiping other things. Are we worshiping other things? Are other things more important than God? That kind of thinking, that kind of focus will steal your dreams. Caleb stayed true to his dream and he never stopped pursuing them. He never stopped pursuing them. He could have settled, but he didn't. Look at Joseph, okay? Talk about Caleb. Let's look at Joseph for a second. Joseph is just, he's a dreamer. I mean, he's a young guy, he's dreaming, and he, he's got a family, so he's telling his brothers his dreams. And, you know, maybe he's a little punkish or whatever, I don't know. I, I, I can't judge his motives at that point. You hear different commentaries. But he's a dreamer, and so he's telling his brothers what's going on. His brothers don't like what he's saying in his dream, so they basically throw him in a cistern, and they're going to let him die, and all of a sudden, they decide, well, hey, i got a better idea, let's sell him into slavery. And they sell him into slavery, and he goes, and Potiphar gets him as a slave in his house. Potiphar's wife decides, David, he's, I mean, Joseph, one good-looking man. And so she starts to try to seduce him, and he doesn't, he's a godly man. He's not going to be seduced, so he tries to get away. She then gets mad because of what he's done and says, he's trying to seduce me, so he gets thrown into prison, falsely accused and thrown into prison. But it was Joseph's dream and the persistence of Joseph to follow his dream that led him to his destiny. To be second in command of Egypt. I'm going to tell you something. 98.7% of the people on the planet would have given up after the cistern. And the rest would have given up probably after that, right? Being falsely accused, thrown into prison. It's like, this is wrong. I've been unjustly accused. I've been cheated. I've been, this is, I got dealt the wrong hand. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever the case may be. All the excuses. Joseph says, I'm going to take my circumstances... 
I'm going to hang on to God as tightly as I can. And whatever circumstances I find myself in, I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to be persistent and keep moving forward. See, following our dreams can, can lead us to unexpected places. You know that? I'm going, to, I'm going to show you a little diagram that you maybe hopefully remember. Some of you have probably seen this already. God sometimes says, hey, see this? Jingle, jingle. Hey, look at this. Look at this. And you go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And here's what you do. You start going toward it. You start going toward it. Yes, 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 yes. And it's like, boink, boink, boink. You're like, wait a second. I can't get it. Boink, boink. God didn't want you to have this. What God wants you to do is look to the left or look to the right. But he's got to get your head above the clouds sometimes. So he puts something out in front of you that you're drawn to, that your personality is drawn to, you're passionate about, and you go toward it, and all of a sudden you're, you, you don't get there. But he didn't want you to get there. He wanted you to look to your left, or he wanted you to look to your right. Oh, man, check that out. But I'd have never seen that if I wasn't pulled in that direction. You need to be persistent because you don't know God's, what exactly God has for you. I have never had a vision or dream in my life that has turned out exactly the way I thought it would. Never. Never in my life. Similar to what I thought. Close to in the same country, but uh, sometimes. <laughs> but honestly, because God is in control of those things and you have to be willing to go where God is calling you to go. Following your dreams can lead to unexpected places and it's really, really cool. It is really, really cool to follow after them. See, we're, we're talking about God-given dreams here that lead us to God-honoring results, not someone's, not someone's selfish ambition. You say, well, I don't understand why God doesn't give me this and I ask for that and I don't get this. And James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 explains it to us. James says this, you do not have because you do not ask. And listen, when you ask... You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Your heart and your attitude is in the wrong place. See, people, people, we love to be first. We love to be the only. I'm the first. I'm the only. Churches do that. Businesses do that. I'm the first. I'm the only. I'm this. I'm that. I'm whatever. But when it comes to dreams, I have often found that the spirit will lead people and speak to different people about the same vision or dream. It's amazing. I once, I, when I was a youth pastor, I had this dynamic vision for how we're going to reach out to every student in our target area. I had 900 students in our youth ministry. I had 16 paid staff under me through back-to-back. Had, it was really, really cool. And I'm thinking, man, what a great idea I thought of. I was online, and some guy in South Africa, and he could not have figured out what I was. It was too early on, okay, in the process. God gave that person the same type of vision that he gave. I mean, it was so, so close. It was eerie. You know what? It's amazing. God gives different. God has a vision. He gives it to different people. That's when you know it comes from God. When multiple people begin to come together and say, yeah, God's been maybe a little different wording or a little different process, whatever, but God's been talking to me about that as well. It doesn't matter if you're the first, if you're the only, if you're the best, blah, blah, blah. It's God's anyway. So why get caught up in all that? Just be around the people who God is talking to. Be a part of God's process. Pursue what God has for you and let those people come all around you and come all around them. Now, I'm not saying that dreaming is always a group thing. It's always a team sport. But I'll tell you what. What I am saying is that God gives pieces of vision, pieces of a dream to many different people at the same time. And that's a good thing. That's a positive. That's a God thing. And when it happens, when God starts to speak to multiple people, especially in a church, about the same thing, 
when God starts taking people with different areas of giftedness and telling them and you, the pieces of the puzzle come together. You know what it's called? It's called revival. It's called revival. That's how a revival starts. When the Holy Spirit comes crashing into our gifts. That's what anointing means. Anointing means when the Holy Spirit of God collides with, okay, the gifting of God. When those two things come together, that's when people say, you're anointed. You're an anointed speaker. You're an anointed teacher. You're an anointed, whatever. You're anointed. That's what anointed means. It means the collision of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that God has given you both come from God. But that causes revival. Which is why it's so important, it's so important for us to remain humble. When God gives us a dream or a vision, we need to remain humble and we need to know how God designed us. We need to be, we need to understand how we were designed and we need to stay humble. God will often give me a grand vision or a dream, okay? But he often, he also showed me throughout my life where my, where my giftedness begins and where my giftedness ends. I'm relentless, okay? If you've known me for a while, I am one of the most relentless people you'll ever meet in your entire life. When God, I feel like God has given me something, I, you have to kill me to stop me. You literally would have to kill me to stop me. Because that's my, that's what, I, I, I can envision something and then I want to implement what God has given me in, in my mind. But at some point, my gifts Here's, here's the thing. At some point, my gifts and my life will end. Right? That's just, that's just normal. It's going gonna, it's gonna to end. And God will use other people. God uses people while you're alive and obviously after you're gone. God will use other people to drive that vision forward. You need to know your strengths and weaknesses. You need to know when it's time to pass on that baton. Right? You, you need to understand that. When you're running a 400-meter medley relay... Everyone in the 400 meter medley relay, I'm no expert, so if I'm a little wrong here, you can correct me later. But everyone in the 400 meter medley relay and track or whatever gets a gold medal at the end if they win. Right? Because each person in the medley relay knows their area of giftedness. The person who starts, the person in the middle, the person who ends, they know why they're lined up that way. How smart would it be for the person, if you were allowed to do this, okay, to take the baton and you start running, right, and the person's ready to grab it, and you just run on past them and just race the next person. And then the next person, you know, he's got his hand back like this, and you just run on past that person too. You know why? Because you're so awesome. You can do it all by yourself because you're so amazing. It's your vision. It's your dream. God gave it to you. Why bother with these other knuckleheads running in front of you? What are they doing? Try to take your baton. Dreams aren't for one person. They're for everyone. Even the dream that God has given you and the vision that God has given you was meant to impact the lives, just like in Joseph's case, impact the life of his family, his nation, and the world. They're meant for everyone. We are better together. We can reach this lost and hurting world better together. We can reach and impact the lives of orphans and widows and the hurting around the world better together. We can build a healthy church and do all the dynamic things that we want to do in this body, around this campus, around the world. We can do it all better together. So let's dream the uncomfortable dream. Let's be relentless. Let's have zeal. Let's have passion in our hearts. But always remember, regardless of whatever we can think of, we can never outdream God because God can do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask, all we could ever imagine. Let's pray.
God, thank you for this time we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, we have to come to this place and dream and encourage each other and inspire each other. God, I pray that what Brian said this morning was inspiring to some. Inspiring to all of us, Lord, but some would reach out beyond where they are right now and start moving toward their dream. Relentlessly and passionately pursuing their dream. And God, I pray for the rest of our church's life and history that as we go through this process, the process that you have us in right now, Lord, as we pass the baton from one generation to the next, Lord God, that you would build and do more dynamic and exciting things in this church 50 years from now than you're doing right now. But may we set a high standard, Lord God. May we reach out with all the passion we have in our hearts and all the dreaming that we can do. May we have so much faith we just try to leap Lord God, leap forward and then let those who follow behind us leap ahead. We love you. We praise you. We give you this church now and in the future in Jesus precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great week.